from Acts in chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And even if I forget at the end to say a word of the Lord, you say, thanks be to God. Got a deal there? Uh, Good. Verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to him, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Now, the disciples of Jesus seem to have the same question that we do. That is, if the Christ has come, why then isn't everything restored? Now, the way they put it, of course, was like this. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, some have argued, and they may be right in this, that uh, perhaps they had a wrong fixation about Israel as a political entity, that Israel had had really fulfilled its primary mission, and that is to, to prepare the way of the Lord, if you will, in the sense that one from the seed of Abraham has come, and that one is Jesus. Thus, thus now uh, there's, there's a continuation within this entity called the church that had begun in Israel, but there's a sense in which it's different. It's the same in the sense that the church now has uh, the stewardship over the oracles of God, the word of God and all of that, but different the church is in the sense that it's not a political entity, it's not a geographic entity, but rather there is one who the church has a priest greater than the priests of Israel. The church has a prophet greater than the prophets in Israel. The church has a sacrifice that's greater than the sacrifices given in Israel because we have a king who is greater than any king. Indeed, even David. Because that priest is Jesus. That sacrifice is Jesus. That prophet is Jesus. That king is Jesus. And now you see the, the realm isn't simply a political entity, but it goes all over the earth. Because this Jesus has come to redeem people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. But regardless of that, uh, we see they have sort of the same question as, as we. If, if this one has really come, then why isn't, isn't everything restored? Uh, why are there still swords? Why are, still, why, why are men still making war? 
Why is there still injustice? Why is there still poverty? Why is there still crying? Why is there still death? See, the questions remain. So, so their question, all right, we were told by the prophets that you're going to come and you came. And look what you did. And so this is the end, right? You're going to restore. And Jesus says, no. We're going to need to wait. And, and here's what's really going to happen, you see. I'm going to ascend. I'll come back. I'm going to ascend and I'm going to rule and reign over all that I have, have really done. And so we see the angels guarantee at the end of this passage, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And of course, as we read through the New Testament, we find this uh, made even more explicit. For instance, in Hebrews and chapter 9 and verse 28, the author of Hebrews writes, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. First coming, he came and he dealt with sin. He redeemed. Second coming, he's going to come and he says to save those who eagerly are waiting for him not just those on the earth but excuse me those throughout all the generations who have believed in him who eagerly await his appearing we've been spending our time during this uh, advent season um, in titus and we we see these two appearings these two advents verse 11 of titus chapter 2 for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people he has appeared first advent Second Advent, verse 13 of that same chapter. We're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But why two Advents? Why didn't he just restore everything after his first coming? Why this gap? Why this pause? Why why do we live in between, if you will? Why did he ascend to rule and reign for now quite some time and we don't know how long till he comes again why that well selfishly we could say so we could be saved uh, if he had restored everything then we would know this great salvation so you might say well, well that's why but, but a better answer really is because there's a second month on God's calendar And it's also called fullness. Jesus will return in the fullness of time. When everything is filled up, ready for his coming. And we we suspect what that filling up will be, is that all that God desires to come to him, will have come to him. And once all those God has desired to come to him, will come to him, then then the time again will be full and, and he'll return. And he'll establish this new heavens and this new new earth. And so the question is, all right, in the meantime, how will they come? Well, well, Jesus says how they'll come. He says he's going to come through the witness of these particular apostles, most especially, who are given the power of the Holy Spirit to take this word, not only take this word, but for our benefit to write it. And so we have, by the power of the Spirit, working in these apostles, many of them, to, 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 to spread and then to write... So that even through their word, 
the word which God breathed through them, we might too also believe. And then he forms, you see, his church. And within the church then, as stewards of this great deposit of the gospel, he uses us by his spirit to take that same word and spread it. And thus, this word goes out, you see. And as we said, the, the church is like Israel in the sense that we're the stewards, but we're different in the sense that we have a greater priest, a perfect sacrifice, a great, greater prophet, greater king. And it goes throughout the whole earth, that is it. You see, all of history revolves around Jesus. In Ephesians, in chapter 1, uh, we find, uh, find this passage, verse 7. In him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his promise, which he sent forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You see, that before the first advent, everything pointed to Jesus. Before the second advent, everything points back to what Jesus did and points towards and prepares us for his second advent. And during this time, it so revolves around him everything that he's ruling and reigning over everything that he bought and brought in his first advent. So he's ruling over this salvation that he brings in such a way that all who have been ordained, all those chosen, will believe. And he'll protect them throughout this time. And then in his second advent, he'll come and, and, and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth over which sin will be eradicated, won't be present. And he'll rule and reign there. And everything will reflect him. That's this sense of it. And, and Jesus even prepared for this gap, for this time. He prepared mostly as he told parables. And he talked in a negative sense very explicitly about this time. And he said, be careful, beware during these times. The false prophets, false Christs will come. Don't follow them. Don't follow the false Christs. Don't follow them. And, and, and realize that during this time, there'll still be wars and rumors of wars. And still realize during this time, nature will not yet be tamed. So there'll be earthquakes and the like. Difficult. Don't, 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 don't be surprised by that. Don't be taken aback by that. Don't, don't let your faith falter by that. All that's still going to, going to happen. So be careful. There'll be tribulation, as he puts it. Not a word that we use a lot, but we get it. There'll be tribulation, there'll be trials, there'll be difficulties, there'll be even be persecution for God's people. Don't, don't, don't let that, don't let that surprise you during this time. I know I've come, 
And I know what the prophets promised. But you see, when the prophets saw, they saw the whole picture. They saw not just my first coming, but my second coming. They saw the whole deal. And they, and they announced the whole deal that would come. But, 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 they didn't, but now I'm just kind of parsing this out for you. I've come. I'm coming back. And in my coming, I saved. You can know sins forgiven. You can know that you're adopted. You can know that you belong to God. You know that you're justified. You know you have the Spirit working in you. But during this time now, by my Spirit, live out and take this word so that more will come. In the fullness of time, I'll return. But don't let this time confuse you. But, but here's how you're to live. And you can kind of take many of Jesus' parables and, and kind of put them into, into this sort of picture, this kind of paradigm, if you will. They're often about a master who's with his people and, and then he leaves. And, and, and then he returns. And what he expects to find is that his servants have been faithful while he's gone. And so that's the deal. What he calls us to be now is faithful. We have his spirit. We have his word. We have one another. We have his sacraments. We have all the means that he gives to us to bring grace to us and to help us. He says, what I want you to be now is faithful so that when I return, I'll see my people being faithful, that is to say, being obedient to me, that is to say, loving one another as I've loved them, that is being faithful to my word, to, as stewards of my word, to protect it, to make sure it's still pure, and then to take it so that others may hear. That, that's what I want you to be. I want you to be faithful during this time. And, and, and we learn about Christ is to come as many Write about it. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1, verse 16, we read about it like this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive or left will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need uh, to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a, a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day uh, to surprise you like a thief. You see, the Lord is saying, listen, when I return, you'll know it. This isn't some secret thing. It says, when I come back, you'll know it. There'll be a cry, a command, a voice of the archangel, the sound of the trumpet. In the Old Testament, the sound of a trumpet was a gathering, and it was loud. Everybody heard it. I mean, it was loud. And so this is going to not be a secret thing, this coming of of, 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 of Jesus and, and, and yes we all believers will be caught up together and then he goes on to say about this he says now some people will be surprised it'll come to them like a thief in the night and who will they be they'll be the ones never expecting it they'll be the ones who are unbelievers they won't expect it it's going to surprise them they're going to be shocked when Jesus comes back right but we are not we're not 
Oh, we might be, you know, a little shocked at the moment, going, whoa, here it is, right? Have you ever thought about that? I, I don't know. I, I just hope I'm, like, fully dressed and, and uh, you know, kind of doing something really nice. You know, I don't know, you know, helping a little old lady across the street or something. I don't know. Or being helped by a young person across the street. I, something like that. Uh, I, I don't know what... what but I've, I don't know if you thought about where you want to be at that point in time, but uh, I suppose it'll work out. But, but I think, uh, but it's not going to be, that might surprise us in that sense, but, but then we'll, we won't be surprised. We're not in darkness, you see. It isn't going to be like a thief in the night to us in that sense. It's going to be, we're going to know it. We're going to know that this is Jesus, Really. And, and then, then he will restore. And we know the passages of restoration, uh, the wonder of, of these passages. For instance, in Revelation and, and, and 21, uh, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to come. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And then in chapter uh, 21, again, verse 22. And I saw uh, no temple in this city for the temple is the Lord, the God almighty and the lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. There'll be no night there. They'll bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it. And nor will anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the lamb's book of life. And then the angel showed me the river, the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more, and they will need no lamp of, of uh, uh, need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and He will they will reign forever and ever. Don't you wonder what that really looks like? Don't you wonder why there isn't more description in the New Testament about, about, about the new heavens and the new earth? What is really to come? Well, I wonder. And perhaps it's that we really have no category in our brain for what that will really look like. He could tell us, and it does here, <clears throat> excuse me, some. But, but don't you wonder, perhaps we really wouldn't, if he told us, we'd go, huh? I mean, can you imagine yourself with an imperishable body and a heart and mind never inclined to sin? More than that, can your spouse picture you like that? Or your children or your parents, right? I mean, how can we even, how can we picture even that? But maybe, maybe he's told us everything about it. Because you see, 
the glory of the new heavens and the new earth will not simply be our new bodies and all of that. But the glory will be seeing Jesus. If we want to know what it's going to be like, we need to study him. Because everything will reflect him. What will it be like? (laughs) It'll be like Jesus and everything he loves. Please stand with me. Let's sing together. We'll feast in the house of Zion. Mm-hmm.